Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 2 Chronicles. The book of 2 Chronicles and chapter number 22. 2 Chronicles chapter number 22. We're still in our series of the lineage of Jesus Christ. And we're a little section here that's all going to be tying around one specific woman by the name of Athaliah. This morning we took some time to study Jehoram. And we saw the thing about Jehoram is that he specifically chose not to follow after God, but to follow after the kings of Israel. And this was a departure from his father Jehoshaphat, who did try to follow after God and his grandfather Asa who did try to follow after God Jehoram left that and part of it was the influence of his wife Athaliah. What we're going to see today Jehoram's son Jehoiaz or Azaziah and uh, Azaziah his mother was Athaliah and then we're going to cap it off on Wednesday when we actually study Athaliah herself. But we're going to see here was a woman with great influence who did not use the influence wisely to bring them to the Lord, but rather used her influence to get across her own deeds and her own methods. So with this, if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me, if you don't mind, to the book of 2 Chronicles chapter number 22. 2 Chronicles chapter number 22. And notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number 1. 2 Chronicles 22 and verse number 1. And the inhabitants of Jerusalem made Ahaziah, his youngest son, king in his stead. <clears throat> For the band of men that came up with the Arabians to camp had slain all the eldest. So Azariah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, reigned. Forty and two years was Azariah when he began to reign, and he reigned one year in Jerusalem. His mother's name was also Athaliah, the daughter of Amri. He also walked in the ways of the house of Ahab, for his mother was his counselor to do wickedly. Wherefore, he did evil in the sight of the Lord, like the house of Ahab, for they were his counselors after the death of his father to his destruction. He walked also after their counsel and went with Jehoram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, to war against Ahaziel, king of Syria, Ramoth Gilead. And the Syrians smote Joram. And he returned to be healed in Jezreel because of the wounds that were given him at Ramah when he had fought with Hazel, king of Syria. And Azariah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, went down to see Jehoram, the son of Ahab, at Jezreel, because he was sick. And the destruction of Ahaziah uh, was 
of God by the coming of Je- to Jehoram. For when he was come, he went out with Jehoram against Jehu, the son of Nimshi, whom the Lord hath anointed to cut off the house of Ahab. And it came to pass that when Jehu was executing judgment upon the house of Ahab, and found the princes of Judah and the sons of the brethren of Hazihiah, or Ahaziah, that ministered to Azahiah, he slew them. And he sought Ahaziah, and they caught him. For he was hid in Samaria, and brought him to Jehu. And when they had slayed him, they buried him. Because they said, he is the son of Jehoshaphat, who sought the Lord with all his heart. So the house of Ahaziah had no more power to keep still the kingdom. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase, a very important phrase found in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter number 22. 2 Chronicles chapter number 22, and if you don't mind, notice the phrase in 2 Chronicles 22, and in verse number 3, notice this phrase, his mother was his counselor to do wickedly. His mother was his counselor to do wickedly. And with this, we want to study the short reign, the one year reign of Azahiah, but we also want to put the attention here on his mother. His mother was his counselor to do wickedly. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come to you now, we're just asking that we would just open up the scriptures and have a good understanding and that we could see the influence of a mother. And we can see how important it is that a mother guards that influence and protects her influence. We're asking that you would just help us to have a good understanding of this even now. And that we can apply it to those that we have influence with. Thank you again. And I just need your help. I just need your favor. I need your presence. I need your power. So the best I know how I surrender everything that I have. My thoughts, my ambitions, my goals, my desires. And ask that you fill me with your spirit. That you would take over and get your work accomplished through your precious word. And in Jesus name we pray. Amen. There's an old colloquial expression that says. The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. And with that expression, it has an idea and a picture of a mother who's rocking a cradle back and forth. And as she rocks the cradle back and forth, she is putting influence in that child to help develop who that child will be. Children's child psychologists who study such things that says by the time a child starts to turn three to five, they start to formulate their personality. They start to form who they are, how they identify themselves, how they behave, how they react, how they think about themselves. And by age seven, it is set. During the time of age uh, birth to all the way up to five to seven is what they call the golden age of learning. And it is during this time that a mother's influence is felt so much that during that time, they are actually going to determine whether this is a child who's going to seek after God or not seek after God. This is a woman who's going to have her influence to have the type of personality that the child have, whether he's obedient or disobedient, whether he's a goodly child or whether he's a monster. During this time is this great 
influence that she has. And this great influence has to be guarded. Of course, the influence doesn't stop at age seven. But in fact, during those formidable preteen years, and then finally the teenage years, there's so much influence that a mother has to help direct her child to do right, to do wrong, to seek after God or to seek after themselves. And then of course, afterwards, if she's been able to maintain an influence that the that the young person will actually rely on the counsel on the mother later on when he needs help, when he needs, when he has a family of his own. He'll be seeking her counsel. And what great influence a woman has over the life, the entirety of a life of a child. No wonder we express this, this colloquial phrase and able to relate to it that the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world because the influence that she has. Now it's interesting that three times in this passage, just the nine verses that we said, the word counsel is used. The word counsel in this kind, this idea has the idea of influence. That here she, Athaliah, his mother, has determined the influences of her son. And by the way, that is part of what a mother has, is the influence of what the child gets into. The friends he has, the outside worldly influences that he has, who she allows to influence the child. There's another expression that it takes a village. We understand that it is a foolish thing for a mother just to isolate a child and say, no one can get to my child. We understand that he's going to be or she's going to be influenced some way or another. But to allow the influences in that child's life is key. And that's part of what she is determining is who she's going to allow to influence the child. What crowd, what type of philosophy. All of this comes to play and we see this in the reign of Azahiah as his mother was his counselor and helped determine Who else would counsel and influence him? Where would he listen? Would he go to the priest and go to the law? Or would he go to the wicked family? Of course, we see in the text that he did go to the wicked family. And that was because of the influence of this mother. Now, Azahiah was the son of a wicked king and a more wicked mother. This mother's name was Athaliah. She was the daughter of Jezebel and she carried all of the traits of her mother. Again, we'll take uh, time to look at her in detail and actually do a comparison between her and Jezebel and see how she matched her mother Hillary. I mean, Jezebel and see those influences and see how it carried out. This is a mother or Athaliah, who was very much determined to be just as powerful, as ruthless, and as crazy as her mother, and to consolidate the influence that she had in the life of her son. If you don't mind, let's look at this first. What she taught her son. What she taught her son. Let's look at some of the things that she had taught her son who was going to be the king. And by the way, it's not that she's just teaching some guy who's just going to get a job. She is teaching the king of Judah. She's going to influence him in what he's going to be like as the king. The first thing that we see, what did she teach her son? She taught her son not to obey 
the God of Israel. She taught her son not to obey the God of Israel. Notice if you don't mind as we look in uh, chapter 22 and notice with me in verse 3. He, this is talking about the king Ahaziah, he also walked in the ways of the house of Ahab. Why? For his mother was his counselor to do wickedly. So here, who's the one responsible for him not to walk with God? It was his mother Athaliah. You know what? I know that your grandfather had a thing where he liked to go to church and he liked to go to the temple and he liked to worship God. But you know what? You don't need to do that. You don't need to please God. That's not something that you need to worry about. And it was because of her influence, he made a choice not to walk with God, but he made a choice to walk wickedly and to walk just like Ahab did, walk just like Jezebel did, and just like his mother Athaliah. Notice in the previous chapter, chapter 21, where we had hit this morning, notice again this influence. Notice with me in verse number 6, Second uh, Chronicles 21, 6, and he, talking about Jehoram, and he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, like did the house of Ahab. Why? For he had the daughter of Ahab to wife, and that he wrought that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord. Notice this. Two different kings were attributed. Why did they walk evil? Why did they walk like the house of Ahab? Why did they walk just like Jezebel? Because of Athaliah. Athaliah influenced her husband. And when she had children, she influenced her kids and influenced both of them. You don't have to worry about what the Bible says. You don't have to worry about pleasing God. In fact, why don't you just have fun? Why don't you be just like my parents? Why don't you walk just like Ahab and Jezebel and be just like them? Don't worry about what God says. What a horrible influence that she had on the lives of the men around her. Notice with me in chapter 21 and verse number 11. Again, speaking about the influence that she had on Jehoram, moreover he, Jehoram, made high places in the mountains of Judah and caused the inhabitants of Jerusalem to commit fornication and compelled Judah thereto. So because of the influence of Athaliah, she convinced her husband, the king, you know what? We don't have to have the moral standards of that old archaic Bible. We don't have to worry about pleasing God. Why don't we just let people do what they want? And not only did they say, let's let people do what they want, but it said that he compelled them. He actually encouraged others to commit fornication, to commit sexual sins. He encouraged them. Everyone needs to do this. This is what people need to do who don't have to worry about the bondage of obeying God. That all came from Athaliah. By the way, how would you like to be married to this lady when she's encouraged everyone to commit all kinds of sexual sins? Well, probably not the type of person I'd end up trusting. Maybe you would, but could you imagine being married to this lady and the influence and her constantly trying to encourage others to do things that are purposely against God's word? Notice this. With that implied, not only did she teach her son not to obey the word of God, but she also taught him not to remain pure. 
Now in verse number 11 of chapter 22, it talked about that he, uh, that she, because of her influence, tried to encourage others to commit fornication, not to remain pure. You know, this is a type of mother that said, you know what? You might as well get as much practice as you possibly can before you get married. That is awful counsel. But she's a type of thing that if she's encouraging her husband and she's encouraging all the, the uh, kingdom, don't you also understand that this also implies that she was teaching this to her son? That you know what? You just do whatever's happy to you. Don't worry about moral purity. It's all right for you to experiment. Go ahead and do what you want. What dangerous foul teaching this would be. And what a time to, to teach him to not keep his purity when it's the purity that really keeps us close with the Lord. Purity of mind, purity of body, purity of heart. Notice this. What else did she teach him? She taught him to seek counsel from the wrong people. She taught him to seek counsel from the wrong people. As we look at 2 Chronicles 22 again, notice with me in verse number 4. Wherefore he did evil in the sight of the Lord like the house of Ahab. Why? For they were his counselors after the death of his father to his destruction. Now let's pause here. How old is Azahiah right now? 42 years old. And when his dad died at 42 years old, she goes, you know what? You're really going to need some help being a king, being a man. How about this? Why don't you go ask your grandparents, my folks, and why don't you go talk to them and their family, and they can give you a counsel how to be a true king, not a wimpy king who, who wants to serve God, but be a real king, and taught him how to behave like the wicked kings of the northern neighbors. He got the counsel from the wrong crowd. Where did he, why did he seek those people? By the way, this is Jerusalem. They have a huge temple right over here serving God. And they have Levites and people teaching the word of God. It would be just as easy to go over to the temple and go grab a copy of God's word and find out. Instead, she said, why don't you go talk to your relatives a country away and remember, they don't have telephones, they don't have email, they don't have texting. I want you to go learn from them. I want you to get your counsel from them. I want you to get your decision making from them. I want you to decide from them. And again, part of a mother's responsibility is to, to teach her children where to get good counsel from. This is a good source. If you have problems with a spiritual decision, this is who you talk to. If you need some things here, these are some resources to go. And to use those resources wisely, knowing that they're going to help influence that child to live right or to live wrong. Notice this. Now this is a big deal in our world today. What else did she teach him? She taught him not to think for himself. Now it implies it in the text. and goes up there. That what she liked to do. Was control him. She liked to keep him under her thumb. And she was the one pulling the puppet strings. Someone may say it's those apron strings. She, she taught him to make, let others make decision for him. Now, again, we also gave this idea here. He is 42 years old. You know what? 
You don't know how to do this. Why don't you talk to them and they'll tell you what to do. And very much teaching them that, that not to be self-reliant, but to be dependent and under someone's throne. You understand that when we raise children, we're to raise them to release them. The purpose of them is not to have them live in our basement forever and ever. The purpose of it is that we're trying to raise them up so that way they are old enough to make their own decisions, realize responsibility and there's consequences, and to make wise choices for themselves, to learn how to make decisions for themselves. We watch this in our country today that there are so many kids who are raised not to think for themselves. They don't know how. They've been never taught that there's consequences for actions. We'll get to that in just a second. But they've never been raised how to be independent and have their own household. The Bible talks about this in several passages, including Genesis. When Genesis, it says, For this cause shall they leave a father and mother. And they're supposed to become one flesh. Not have mom interfering in a message or, or marriage or a father interfering with a message. But they're their own household where they honor and they can still be influenced by their parents. But they're their own household. Not say, mom, what should I do today? And again, we all know examples of that, of just grown people who cannot think for themselves, cannot survive on their own in the wild on themselves. And that's what she did. She purposely had this 42-year-old man who's now the king of an empire who can't make decisions for himself and a very bad position for him to be in. Something else that she taught him. Now, these are some bad lists. What else did she teach him? She taught him to live selfishly despite the harm it does to others. She taught him to live selfishly despite the harm it does to others. Let's go back, if you don't mind, in chapter number 21. We talked about that this morning, and this is a horrible thing. Chapter 21, verse 4. Now, when Jehoram was risen up to the kingdom of his father, he strengthened himself and slew all his brethren with the sword, and the diverse also of the kings of Israel. Now, it's implied in the text that it was Athaliah's influence. Hey, you're the king now. You've got all these brothers here. They're a threat to your throne. In order to protect yourself, you hurt them. You kill them so that way they're no longer a danger to you. Instead of being a servant to others, she taught him how to be selfish. And look out for number one. And it doesn't matter who you hurt on the way up. You said, are you sure that was Athaliah? Well, turn with me to chapter 22 and verse 10. Now in verse 9... Uh, the son, her son is dead. He ruled one year. He didn't even make it a year. 42 years old, didn't make it. So guess what? She becomes queen when she realizes her son is dead. There's a power vacuum. All the rest of his brothers were killed because of the actions of invading armies earlier. All his uncles are dead because of the actions of her husband. There's no one else to rule. So to make sure that she had the power base, notice with me chapter 22 verse 10. But when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed the seed royal of the house of Judah. 
she went and killed all of her grandkids. So that way they could not interfere with her reign. And she killed them all except for one little guy who was a baby who was hidden by the, local, by the head priest. She killed them all. So just in case you are wondering, are you sure that was Athaliah? Well, if she did it herself, she probably very much influenced her husband to kill all of his brothers. That's just the type of lady, a great role model for you all. That she said, anyone who wants to testify me in court, I'll make sure that you die. I'm sorry, wrong history lesson. Okay. Wait, is it the same person? Okay, anyways. So... <laughs> Anyone who was a threat to her, anyone that she thought would be a danger to them, they had an accident and committed suicide. They died. They were slain. Some way or another, they're all wiped out. It's all about her. And she doesn't care. Can you imagine a lady so cold, so callous, so about herself that she'd be willing to kill her own grandchildren just to make sure that none of them would ever grow up to be a threat to her? This, now again, if that's how she acted, we very much see this is what she taught her son to do. It doesn't matter what others think. You take care of yourself and the rest of them just can just die. And if you have to, let them die literally. It's all about you. You take care of number one. What else did she teach him? Well, she also taught him not to separate yourself from the wrong crowd. Don't separate yourself from the wrong crowd. Now, as we go through 2 Chronicles 22, why was Ahaziah, why did he die? Well, we could see in verse number 5 that he walked after their counsel in Jehoram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, to war against his. So here Jehoram, the son of um, Ahab, Athaliah's sister, says, I'm going to go to war. Why don't you come with me? Sure. Well, Jehoram dies. And, and gets, gets messed up. So he goes over and tries to visit the, uh, the Jehoram who's injured. And God raised up a man by the name of Jehu. And Jehu was a general of, of Jezebel. And God says, you know, he actually sent Elisha and sent a little prophet preacher boy to go into where Jehu and his men were camping at. And they walk inside and say, Jehu, I need to speak with you. The guys playing cards started laughing. Okay, what's this about? Jehu said, all right, let's go. Well, the guy says, all right. I now anoint you king of Israel. Good luck, bye. And took off running. Jehu comes out and he's got oil on him. And the guy says, what just happened? Uh, the man of God just said, I'm king. They said, that's a great idea. Let's go. And so they started just driving as they, fast as they could. Back in the early 1900s, they actually had a phrase, driving like Jehu. And it came from this, that Jehu was just, just taking off and flying down the road. And as troops would come, say, Jehu, what's going on? He says, join me. Okay. And they joined in a big crowd. Finally, Jezebel's at Jezreel. Uh, Jehoram, her son, is, is not doing well. And she sees him going and says, what is that? Send a runner. The runner went over to Jehu and said, hey, what's going on? What's the rush? Join me. Okay. And they go, Jezebel goes, what's happening? I don't know. The runner just joined Jehu and they're all coming this way. I'll send another one out. The other one says, Jehu, what's going on? Join me. We're okay. And next thing you know, they come, they topple everything. They send, uh, <coughs> goes down, sees Jezebel up there and says, hey, eunuchs, 
her uh, special uh, caretakers toss her out the window. They looked at Jehu, looked at Jezebel, looked at Jehu. By the way, when Jezebel saw it was coming, she took time to put on makeup and put all the other stuff on. The Bible describes it, that she wanted to look good before this general came in. The uh, eunuchs tossed her off and they left her there and they ended up getting eaten or the dogs ate her body and there was nothing left but her hands and and, uh, I forgot what all was left after we go back and read the story. But Jehu said, you know what? God has tasked me with destroying all the house of Ahaz or Ahab. You know what? Ahab has a grandson and there he is. He happened to be at the wrong place hanging out with the wrong crowd. Jehu says, well, since you're here, killed him too. He was in the wrong place with the wrong crowd and that's why he died. He shouldn't have been with those wicked people here. You said this is horrible. It is absolutely horrible. Well, then we come to the flip side. We see what she did teach him. Now let's come what she should have taught him. What she should have taught him. With that, if you don't mind, turn with me to Proverbs 31. In the book of Proverbs chapter 31, this is a proverb that is talking about the virtuous woman. And in it, it gives a description of what a godly mother looks like and what a godly mother behaves like and what a godly mother teaches her children. Of course, we're not going to walk through the entire proverb, but we're going to go ahead and hit some uh, some of the beats inside of here. And let's do a comparison. Let's look at what she should have taught them. And with this, if you had a choice to follow Proverbs 31 or Athaliah, we would prefer you to follow Proverbs 31. So what is it that you are supposed to influence and teach your children? What is it that every mother should teach her children? Well, notice with me in verse number 1. Proverbs 31 in verse 1. The words of King Lemuel. By the way, this is a, a code phrase for Solomon. The words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. So what Solomon is writing down here is what his mom had taught him. Here are the things that my mom taught me. What do we learn from here? That she must tell him that she is responsible to tell him about the Lord. And we're going to see this here. That his mom took time to teach King Lemuel to teach him about the Lord. That's the influence of a mother. That's something that the mother should teach her children. Is to teach them about the Lord. Notice this in verse 2. She must teach him where he came from. She must teach him where he came from. Notice with verse 2. What my son and what the son of my womb and what the son of my vows. Now with this it may be duh but she must teach him you come from my womb. I'm your mother. You were created inside of my womb. And by the way, you were created with purpose. You were not an accident. There is a reason why you exist. There's a reason why you came from that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that you were made with purpose. Do you know that does so much to a child when they're taught early on that they were created for a purpose? You were created for a reason. God has a use for you. 
That's something that every mother needs to teach her child. Where they came from. That God created you. That you were in my womb. And now God has given me the responsibility to teach you that there is a purpose in your life. Again, I deal with people all the time who says, why do I exist? Why am I here? What purpose do I have? You have a purpose. God created you for a reason. And there's a reason why you exist. And to be taught that from a very young age will help a child become the man or woman that they ought to be when they start off at the very beginning knowing that they were created for a reason. Notice if you go on. She must tell him there are specific things that destroy. There are specific things that destroy. Notice with me in verse number 3. Give not thy strength unto women nor the ways which destroyeth kings. Let's pause there. Now, here's a difference between Athaliah and the virtuous woman. Athaliah said, you know what? Do whatever it takes. Enjoy yourself. Experiment. Do all of this. Here, she's saying, listen, give not thy strength unto women. You shouldn't give yourself to all the different ladies. It's going to destroy you. And again, how many, just looking at the kings of Israel, how many of them were destroyed because of the influence of a woman? Solomon, Athaliah, and all of her influences. This is something she needs to teach them, that you need to remain pure, that there should be expectation. There are things that will destroy you when following after a lust of a woman will destroy you. What else will destroy kings? Verse number four. It is not for kings, Olamule. It is not for kings to drink wine or for princes to drink strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert judgment of any of the afflicted. Here there are some things that destroy not only uh, the influence of women, but she's in. Uh, warning them of the influence of drink, of alcoholic beverages. These are things you need to stay away from. They're going to keep you from doing what is right. As for a king, a king who gets drunk, you're going to make a mistake ruling the kingdom. You're going to let those influences and you're going to do something wrong while you're under the influence. Stay away from strong drink. What other things does she uh, must teach? Well, she must teach him what is right. She must teach him what is right. Notice with me in verse number 8. Open thy mouth for the dumb and the cause of such that are appointed to destruction. Open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause for the poor and needy. What is it that she's supposed to teach him? Teach him what is right. Remember, Athaliah says, you do whatever it takes for you, even if it hurts everyone else. Here the virtuous woman says, you know what? There are times that you need to stand up for what's right. Even on behalf of the poor and needy. Those that can't have a voice for themselves. You have a responsibility to do what's right and help others, not just yourself. Notice something else. There are things. She must teach them about moral purity. Notice with me in verse 10. Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies. Listen, son, you don't need to settle with just whoever's available. You need to be looking for God's will for your life. Someone that God has prepared for you. Someone that's going to live virtuously. That's going to live righteously. By the way, who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? Why is her price far above, uh, far above rubies? Because she's rare and precious. Not everyone meets the qualification of a virtuous woman. 
And that there should be an expectation that you need to wait for God's will. By the way, every, I personally believe every man who waits for God's will always marries up. That God, when you allow God to do the choosing, God chooses the best for you. By the way, if you are going to wait for the virtuous woman, you need to be the type of person that should be married to the virtuous woman. You shouldn't drag her down. You should be lifting her up and encouraging her. But she must teach him about moral purity. What else? Well, what to look for a lady. <laughs> By the way, with that should have some sort of discernment that I depend on mom and dad on looking for a husband and wife. I tell my daughters all the time, daddy will never get twiddle-pated with him. I'll never be in love with him. I'll never be blinded by him. So you may say, Dad, he's the most dreamiest guy in all the world. And, and they say that love is blind, that when they get to the place, they don't see the scumbag that he may be. Dad will not be fooled. All right? I'm a shotgun dad. I'm just old-fashioned when I talk with him to have the shotgun cleaning it in my lap and talking about the little hiding places where he'll never be found. I have no problems with that. And talking and, and seriously looking for. I was talking with someone the other day. I said, yeah, I'm pretty much convinced that when I have the interview with him, one of the first things I'll do is, all right, let's pray out loud for an hour. You go first. See if he's ever done that before. Because if he doesn't have a walk with God, he's going to wreck my daughter. If he can't get a hold of God, if he can't spend time with God. I've even told my daughters, I said, once he starts courting you, he has to win at least five people to the Lord before he marries you or it's not it. I, you said, well, I'm strange. Yeah, but I'm trying to protect my daughters. I'm trying to say that you need to wait for the right guy, not for some settle for whoever's available. Same thing with my son. My son wants to be a banker. Praise the Lord. I have to guard him because I don't want some gold digger to say, you know what, because you got all this money. He doesn't have any money now, so anyone who's looking. But, you know, I don't want him to get blindsided by some girl who doesn't have any desire to live right for God, who just wants the hope that maybe one day he'll have money so she could spend it all. You understand? Parents should be involved with the, with the uh, process. We have evangelist David Summerdorf come, and when his kids were young, he used to say, guess what? We've been talking about some of you. That's a strange thing for an evangelist to talk about. And they'd play a game. They would say, all right, that young man in the church, would he make a good husband? Why or why not? And they would actually talk about it. They got in the habit of talking about it. So the kids felt comfortable or relying on parents for discernment. That's great to be able to teach them what makes a good husband. Why? Look at him. Does he, is that what you want to marry? Why? Why not? What's good qualities? What's bad qualities? What are we looking for? By the way, you said this is uncomfortable talk. This is practical talk. And this is something that a mother should be involved with to help him marry correctly. What else should she teach him? Again, we're trying to hit some high notes. She must teach him that character and integrity. She must teach him about character and integrity. What is character? Character is what we are in the inside. Integrity is doing what's right when no one is looking. What does this all mean? Who you are is not who you are in public. 
Who you are is who you are in private when no one else is looking. And the person that you are in private should be consistent with who you are in public. It's the character when you're all by yourself, not for show. Who are you in the inside? Notice with me verse 25. Strength and honor are her clothing and she shall rejoice in time to come. It's talking about the virtuous woman. The virtuous woman, what are her clothing? What does she wear? Strength and honor. This talks about integrity. What type of woman is she? She's someone that has character. She's someone that carries herself with honor. She's someone that has a strength that comes from following after God. This character that she has. This moral strength. And she must teach him that. What else must she teach him? She must teach him to keep his eyes on the Lord. Notice with me verse 30. Favor is deceitful. And beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Now this is important stuff. Favor is deceitful. You know, words will fail after a time. There's only so much that a words can go on. Beauty is vain. We know that all the 20 year olds and the tweens and all of them, they're concerned about how good they look, but that fades after a while. Things sag, things wrinkle, things distort, weights gain. You can't stay a size zero forever and ever and ever without starving yourself. And that's for the guys. We understand that our shapes change. And if you have an idea that beauty is only on the outside, you're going to be stuck. What are you going to do? You know, there's something about falling in love with someone that even when their hair falls out, you still love them. Even when they turn different shapes, you still love them. That you, you look forward to growing old with them because they're your friend and not just how they look. And this is something that needs to be taught. You need to be teaching them to look in the inside. But specifically, what are you looking in the inside? That walk with God. That precious walk with God that, that, that's more precious than anything. What's something else that she should teach her son? She must teach him to take responsibility for his failures. Teach him to take responsibility for her failures. Notice with me verse 31. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Here it's talking about that she is going to carry out what she worked for. It has to be earned. And not just to, <coughs> to depend that someone's going to give you a handout. Someone's going to, the idea that you need to work for yourself. And by the way, we need to teach kids it's all right to fail. There are so many people who will not try because they're so tired of failure. Failure is one of the greatest teachers. And to take away failure and consequences from a child, from a person, hurts them in the long run. We have to teach them to take responsibility for themselves and that they have to work for themselves and they, they have to have responsibility in their own life with the expectation that only what they did is what they could depend upon. We understand with the Lord's help, we're talking about for the individual, that they can't depend upon handouts. That's what our society has turned into, is it's turned into the entitled generation that they expect everyone to hand them everything without them working one bit for it. When the only thing we have truly earned is a place in hell.
That's it. So when we talk about this, we understand we have to use our influences wisely. Will you say, well, I'm kind of past the idea of bearing a child. I'm not getting a brand new baby here. But you understand that you still have people to influence. Maybe you're a Sunday school teacher. Maybe you're someone's discipling someone else. Maybe you have nieces and nephews, grandchildren. Maybe you have influence with some of the kids in the church. We have to use our influence wisely. And we have to realize that people are always watching us. People are looking at us. And they're learning from us. And that we're either going to be a good example or we're going to be a bad example. We have to use this influence wisely. We also understand the elevated position of Christian womanhood. The influence that she has will shape the child in whom he or she is going to become. We must never de-emphasize this influence, but instead exalt it and promote it that this is one of the single greatest influences in any child's life is the influence of a mother. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you could give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three oh eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.